0: to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne.
1: And I'm Olivia DeBercier.
0: And if you want to support the show, please check out our merch store at beyondblathers.square.site
1: and take a look at the animal stickers and postcards we have for sale. So today we're going to be doing something a little bit different this week. We're going to be doing an Ask Us Anything episode.
0: Yeah, we asked for questions from you all over on our Instagram and Twitter, which are both at Beyond Blathers if you're not following us yet. So thanks everyone so much for your questions. It was really, really nice to engage with you guys and I'm excited to answer the questions. And also we thought it would be good to just before we dive into the questions, just start with a little life update. So Olivia, how are you and what have you been up to?
1: Yeah, it's it's been a very busy, well, month, I guess, but especially this week. So I am, like right now I'm living up in the Yukon Territory in Canada and I'm moving home uh, this week. So it's been a, a fun old time up here in the north and uh, it's finally spring, but just as things warm up, I'm leaving. So, um, but I'm finally like finishing up my degree. So I've got one last exam and I am free I will have my degree at some point this summer, so that's very exciting. So I'm finishing up my Bachelor of Science in Environmental and Conservation Science. So it's a very, it's going to be a very long degree title, which I'm kind of looking forward to seeing, like smushed on a piece of paper. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, with my major, my major is like Human Dimensions in Environmental Management, and it's a very long, <laughs> outrageous title. But yeah, so that's that's pretty much the news, and I'm. As pretty much as soon as I get back to Edmonton, I'm I'm hopping over to Ontario. So I'm really just traveling all through Canada. Uh, I've never been to Ontario before. I'm really excited. I'm going to do some bird work there. So hopefully I can update you on some like cool bird facts once I'm there. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, congratulations
0: on basically finishing your degree. You're so hard working and it- it is very very deserved (laughs) like you it feels like you've been in school forever I mean I also took five years to get my degree but that's like a significant amount of time of your life so
1: yeah it's it's like the longest I've committed to doing basically anything in my life so it's I don't know and like I kind of feel like I already finished the degree because I took sort of this semester is sort of like all these classes were for fun and like I kind of feel like I technically graduated, like I filled all my requirements in the winter, like in December. So I just sort of had this sort of extra layover for the degree. So I don't know. It's been like a kind of, I feel kind of graduated already, but I just don't have to write any more exams. Yeah. Which is nice.
0: Definitely. Anyway. Listeners are probably curious to know what you're doing in the fall. Are you like whether
1: you're going to do a master's or what? Well, I'm hoping to do a master's eventually. Like, I really like research, and the only problem is I, like, don't know what to study because I like everything. Uh, <laughs> so, it's uh, I don't know what I'm going to choose to do. So if anyone has openings in their lab, let me know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I pretty much just have to find a job for the year, and I'm mostly planning on just, like, taking a break. Which probably won't end up being a break. I'll just fill it with other <laughs> random stuff. But taking a break from school, at least for a year, at least, and and then we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, a very well deserved break. That's kind of what I did this <laughs> year, and it has been very nice.
1: Yeah, but you were working a lot. Like, what what's new with you, Sophia? Tell us about your life.
0: Yeah. Um. I I have been living at home, um, in Vancouver at my mom's house for. Basically a year now. I came back from the UK where I was. I did my final year of undergrad in Scotland, studying abroad there. Then I had to like flee back here uh, because of COVID at the end of May. So yeah, I've been living at my parents' house since the end of May. But exciting things are happening. I I did finish up that hydrophone whale story that I talked about a bit a few episodes ago. I mentioned it briefly, but. If people don't know, I'm a I'm a freelance writer is kind of how I build myself. Freelance writer, editor, and audio producer. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was working on this big story about whale hydrophone research, which is like underwater microphones and artificial intelligence and everything. And it was really cool. And yeah, I handed in that story. So it was exciting. And I am moving out I'll still be in Vancouver, but I'm moving to an apartment with my friend for June 1st. So that's extremely exciting. Yeah, really looking forward to that. And then I'm going to keep freelancing for the summer. And then in September, I am starting my master's in creative writing at the University of British Columbia. So yeah, I'm really excited for that.
1: Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I, I'm so excited for you to start this master's. It's oh, It's been a, a big year for you yeah
0: it's been like a strange year but I feel like (laughs) I've made a lot of progress in kind of my freelance career just in terms of getting some clients and this hydrophone story is the most I've ever been paid for a story by a lot and I think it went really well and you know everything with the podcast and helping with some other podcasts so yeah it's been a lot a lot of time like to myself (laughs) and just working on myself which is a bit weird and without school I've been a bit lost and feeling a bit intellectually unstimulated i guess i'm yeah. i'm quite a like my major's english and my minor's philosophy and i like love intellectual discussion <laughs> and i really miss that You're from a school so. big school nerd i am just like a huge <laughs> nerd i like to kiss <laughs> up to professors like i miss i miss having like some external validation from professors and
1: getting yeah. grades
0: <laughs> uh, so yeah. That's
1: that's great. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a good time.
0: Okay, cool. Well, should we dive into the questions? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, let's start with this question from Just the Zoo of Us, one of our favorite podcasts. They asked on Twitter, how did you meet and what made y'all decide to start a podcast? I just brought up my inner Albertan there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's good. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we met, how many years ago now? It's probably like four years. I think it was 2018. I think it was 2017 because it was right after my first year of university. So it was definitely 2017. Oh,
0: okay. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: I know. It's, it's been a long time. And we met at the our university paper. And Sophia was, were you the news editor at the time or the staff reporter when we, we
0: met? I had just become news editor that summer. Okay, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, I like strolled on in because I needed something to do when first year was rough. And and yeah, it was it was like super fun.
0: Yeah, we I I remember we connected because I was really into science writing at the paper. Not very many people were. There were a few of us, but especially biology kind of writing and and so olivia started doing some stories about that like i remember the first story you did was it was like a guide to birds on campus and it was so beautifully illustrated with olivia's illustrations and yeah we I mean, we just became fast friends i remember like going to, for coffee together and everything and oh yeah i ha- i feel like we'd both been through kind of terrible breakups that summer too I remember yeah. bonding about it. Or that. just, like,
1: it was awkward. Like, it was just, we were just, like, it had been such a, like, weird, awkward year. Yeah. And we were, like,
0: ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. And, uh, yeah. And so then, so we've been friends since then. And we also worked on Terra Informa, another, like, it's, like, a news radio show slash podcast that was based on campus. We both worked on that and we always kind of wanted to do some kind of science communication project together but we never really found like what was the right thing and the right timing and then I when I was coming back from the UK and I knew I was gonna have to quarantine I got a I got a switch and I got Animal Crossing and then I I sort of thought it would be a fun podcast idea to do like more about the animals that you find in the museum and the specimens and Olivia I thought was like the perfect person to actually like help with a project like that like I don't I I don't think I have like the scientific background to talk about them so yeah and then I was so happy Olivia was like excited about the idea and it grew from there
1: yeah it was it was a, a I was just happy that we found something to work on together because yeah we'd like tossed around a few ideas like a like a zine or something yeah and uh, and it was just sort of hard to find something that we could like definitely consistently do every week and podcasting really like fit the bill quite nicely. It's it's really good. Like it's
0: one, it's such a nice excuse as friends to just like make sure we chat every week, basically. And yeah. And, like, I know for me it's improved my editing so much and, like, a lot of skills, like, social media management and stuff like that. And then I know for you, Olivia, like, having to do an illustration every week and all this research, like, I feel like we've both improved a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really good practice to have. And, like, um, I'm hoping that it continues to be good practice and we can build our skills even more. Yeah. yeah it's been good. Totally. <laughs> and
0: thank you all so much for listening.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's
0: like uh it's just so nice and motivating and like during COVID it's been such a nice way to connect with the outside world.
1: Yeah in, in a lot of ways like I feel a lot more connected to sort of the greater world during this time but at the same time like haven't seen anyone locally yeah. so it's kind of a, it's a weird experience I guess but also nice and I'm I'm excited to be able to travel to all these places and like I don't know maybe meet some of these people that I've been connecting that we've been connecting with totally um, yeah through the podcast and all that so anyway do you want to do another question yeah cool all right this one's from at Spichka on Twitter yeah that's Taylor Matchstick ah yeah. yes what's your favorite whale and why yeah this is such a this is like a
0: pandering to me question. (laughs) (laughs) If there was one question I was born to answer. Yeah, so predictably, my favorite whale is the southern resident killer whale, which is an ecotype of killer whale that's found in the Salish Sea here in BC, British Columbia, where I live, and also down in Washington. And They are extremely critically endangered. I think there's 75 members of that ecotype right now. It actually was fewer, but they've had a few bursts recently, which is really exciting. And they, they are just such magical whales. You know, killer whales, I guess, get a bad rap sometimes. And they have historically had a bad rap for being, I guess, killers and, you know, killing blue whales and sharks and other, you know sharks aren't mammals but (laughs) other mammals (laughs) and southern residents are actually they they only eat salmon really especially chinook salmon and they don't even eat seals or anything not that I think there's anything wrong with eating seals although I do love seals but (laughs) anyway southern residents are like gentle giants and they're so I guess charismatic and my My dad lives on Saturna Island, which is one of the Gulf islands, and yeah, the southern residents come by there in the summer and hop around and <laughs> they're breaching and like, yeah, I just feel a really big connection to them, so yeah I'm kind of a I'm kind of a whale girl these days and <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to know more about them. Like there are a lot of people who know so much. Like they know every member of every pod, and they know what their yeah. calls sound like, and they know what their saddle patches look like, which are the the white parts on their backs that are used to identify them, and what their tail flukes look like. And so I'm not I'm not at that level yet or anything, but I definitely love to see them. But I I really love all whales, especially um humpback whales too. Come by a lot, and I I think they're a really special whale as well. So yeah. what about you what's your favorite whale
1: oh man i i have just an interesting answer i was gonna say also orcas because i don't know they're like so supremely fascinating and like the fact that they have like culture in each ecotype is incredible like really by any definition of culture that's that's what they have this passed on knowledge and i think that's amazing and i don't know i guess maybe runner-up would be like beluga i don't Mm. know obviously we're being pretty uh loose with our definition of whale here but uh. Uh, true
0: yeah I I was thinking about that before like I guess color whales are my favorite dolphin but yeah maybe humpbacks are my favorite whale true ah, whale there
1: we go true but, whale yeah yeah if we're gonna be picky about it it's like tomatoes
0: I think it's fine if tomatoes are your favorite vegetable even though they're technically <laughs> a fruit
1: <laughs> categories are all made up anyway yeah
0: I I also belugas are Really, really special. And Baby Beluga by Raffi.
1: Oh, such a good it's my song. my favorite song. I was listening to it recently. I sort of like re-remembered it and added it to my Spotify playlist. And we listened to it on the road. Oh. And It makes me happy. And then Dear Hank and John, they were talking about it like right when I added it to my playlist. And I was like, it's like emerged from the woodworks <laughs> into everyone's memories all of a sudden.
0: You know, I met Raffi when I was a kid. I don't know if I told you. You did? Yeah. I had such a weird experience like I think he came to my school for like a concert or something I can't remember what the context of him being at the school was I guess like a show and then my sister is quite severely disabled she's in a wheelchair and she's nonverbal and stuff and I guess because she was disabled like she got to do like a special meeting with him um and they let me go with her. And so I was like with her and him and we were supposed to be like showing him around the school, I guess. And I just remember being like mad at him because he wasn't paying attention to me at all and was only paying attention to my sister (laughs) and like being so nice to her and like totally ignoring me. (laughs) But yeah. And I was like, she doesn't even like listen. She doesn't know the words of the songs or anything. I don't know. I was very petty about it.
1: (laughs) That feels like a classic sibling situation. Yeah, I,
0: like. <laughs> I'm probably remembering it wrong too. I'm sure he's a very nice person.
1: I love how childhood memories will like taint things for yeah. you, even though <laughs> <Like, laughs> no, they don't really make sense. Raffy's
0: evil. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, speaking of songs, though, we got a question from Varmints Podcast, which is also one of our favorite podcasts on twitter and they asked what our favorite kk slider songs
1: are i think mine is comrade kk it's like a polka (laughs) that is such a choice (laughs) (laughs) it's like a little polka song it's really cute
0: yeah i think mine is aloha kk i usually have that playing in my little
1: house just good vibes yeah that's really all you want from an animal crossing song yeah it's just good vibes and to mellow out exactly like that just makes me happy. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. All right. So we got a question from Diego Garcia on Instagram. This is such a good question. If you could go to see any prehistoric ecosystem, what would you go see? I really had to think about this one.
0: That is a really good question. And... I have to admit, I don't know my prehistoric ecosystems very well, but the Bear Paw Sea, which used to cover a lot of Alberta, if I'm not incorrect about that.
1: I I believe you're correct. Yeah.
0: The Bear Paw Sea has always really fascinated me. I've always wanted to do a, like a, you know, journalistic article about the Bear Paw Sea. I like think that would be super cool, and I wanted mm. Olivia to illustrate it.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that. I I support that. Yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing about it, but I I'm feel like down.
0: I pitched it back when I was like news editor or something. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's possible. That was
1: many moons
0: ago, but one day, and yeah, I just I love. I guess it's probably been established in previous episodes, but I think prehistoric aquatic animals are the coolest to me. I just can't imagine. Like, they were so big. And it was just, like, it still is. Like, the ocean is still, like, a whole nother world. But back in the day, it was just, like, insane what was there. So I I would like to see it. I would like to be in a submarine that is, like, impenetrable by mosasaurs (laughs) and stuff. Because, no thanks. But I want to see it all. I want to be in a glass, fully glass submarine.
1: I think if you have the power to time travel... I, I would I, – I'd say it's a safe guess that you'd have some sort of technology that would allow you to safely observe yeah, that's aquatic true. organisms. <laughs> like, I, I think that's – we've reached, like, a new level of technology at that point. Yeah. I think for me that this was a hard one because I feel like I just like everything. yeah I don't know. Being – like, I've been taking a class on Beringia, which is, like, here in the Yukon, you hear about Beringia a lot. And there's – it was basically this land bridge that existed – Basically, when you think of like Ice Age times, that's a generalization. But yeah, like during the those that sort of genre of prehistory. That movie. That movie. (laughs) (laughs) So we're not talking Jurassic Park here. We've moved on to Ice Age. When the glaciers were like covering most of Canada, it like I always think of it as like the glaciers like sucked up all the water from the ocean, which is super scientifically inaccurate. But basically, if you imagine, like, the ocean levels were a lot lower. So a big chunk of land was open between Russia and, well, present-day Russia and Alaska. And at this time, that's where you found, like, all of these amazing creatures, like, you know, mammoths and scimitar cats, like, s- saber tooth cat-looking things. Like, North American lions, you found camels and things you see today, like caribou and horses and, like, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And... I've just become very fascinated with that. And I mean, relative to the ground scheme of things, it wasn't that long ago. And so I think that would be really cool to see and to see particularly when humans started to come into Beringia and how they interacted with the creatures there. And yeah, that would be really cool, I think. Then again, I also am just obsessed with dinosaurs. And like, I would love to go just like classic late Cretaceous. See some titanosaurs. I want to know what it's like to look at an animal that is that massive. Yeah. And I want to know what that feels like, like in the ground and everything. Like just the vibrations as they step.
0: And you could be wearing your Laura Dern outfit. Yes. Your cargo shorts.
1: <laughs> the best outfit. Yeah. With like chunky boots.
0: I can totally <gasps> see that. That's such an aesthetic.
1: Yeah. So th- those would be like the two things I'd want to see most in a, in a time machine. I love that. Hopefully one day. Just got to yes, invent day. time travel. <laughs> Easy.
0: <laughs> well, so thanks so much, Diego, for that question. That was really good. Yeah, that's a good one. Another question we got was from Amelia Tober on Instagram, who asked, can you help me add a few songs to my fieldwork playlist? Recommendations, please.
1: Can I guess what you're going to say, Sophia? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is it any of the songs from Folklore.
0: Yeah, I was going to just, like, generally recommend any new Taylor Swift. As Olivia knows, I've been a fan of Taylor Swift since I was, like, 12, and I am having my (laughs) comeuppance now. Like, we are living in the era of Taylor Swift, so sorry if that (laughs) offends anyone, but she rules my life. So anything Folklore, Evermore, also stream Fearless, Taylor's version... (laughs) highly recommend
1: (laughs) Taylor Swift sponsor us
0: (laughs) yeah please (laughs) um I do have other recommendations though uh
1: so that aren't Taylor Swift but I don't know do you want to go first Olivia I was gonna say I'm so bad at giving music recommendations because like I always forget what I'm listening to as soon as someone asks me but I really enjoy at least for sort of like like travel music my friend Andrea Shipka who's musician name is Might Be Rhea, like R-E-A, Might Be Rhea. She came out with an EP called Atlas, and it's really good. It's got like very like ethereal travel vibes. Mm-hmm. So that's my recommendation, like a little plug for Might Be Rhea there. But yeah, she's she came up with this really awesome album recently. So, And I don't think there are spaces between the words, if that <laughs> helps find her.
0: We'll link it. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like good... Yeah, like spring, summer car music, which is such yeah, a Yeah, it's like road
1: trip yeah, music. That yeah. was
0: also going to be like what I've been listening to lately is this singer-songwriter Adam Melchor, M-E-L-C-H-O-R, has an album called Melchor Lullaby Hotline Volume 1. <laughs> and it just has such a spring-summer vibe to me. Like, and it also somehow kind of, encapsulates all the indie music that i loved when i was like 16 but it oh, feels yeah. sort of con- more contemporary and it's like singer-songwritery it's got like sort of country influences particularly i would say the song begin again really good also lateral move is like really really good and also i've been listening to a lot of skull crusher which doesn't sound on brand for me, but actually she's like a very chill indie singer songwriter. But just like okay. her band name is Skullcrusher, and she's great. She has a song called "Storm in Summer" that's really really good. So yeah, I would would recommend.
1: Yeah, I've listened to a lot of Brandy Carlisle too on this trip. Mm, cool, I'm like very obsessed with her music.
0: Yeah, I would also say I'm such a Phoebe Bridgers fan. As well, so, yeah. <laughs> I hope that helps with your fieldwork playlist. Hopefully.
1: <laughs> Hopefully that's, like, I feel like that was all very similar genres, so. Yeah, that's just me. I only listen
0: to basically the same kinds of music, so.
1: I'm, I'm a big, like, 70s pop folk music mm. fan. I feel like my taste in music is very much just, like, my dad's taste in music that has been passed on to me, <laughs> like, I love that yeah like dad taste anyway next song or next song (laughs) next question so from lily v Hart on instagram what is your dream job oh this is
0: a hard one yeah I've had existential breakdowns about this recently (laughs) oh good
1: Um, I'm so glad we asked
0: it yeah so but I think
1: it's a good question I don't know do you want to go first Oh, God, I don't even know. Like, I feel like both of us have chosen careers where there's, like, we almost, like, make up our jobs. Yeah. Does that sound correct to you? Like, I don't know. Any any dream job would be probably working with animals in some degree, either researching or, like, hands-on working with animals and, like, some aspect of teaching. So, like, whether that was, like, as a professor or in, like, some kind of educational facility, like a museum or a zoo or aquarium or whatever, I feel like I've had my dream jobs like I feel like my work at the zoo was like basically a dream job Mm. and I I don't know like I feel like I've just had really great jobs that I've really enjoyed and I hope to continue to have really great jobs that I really enjoy I think this summer is going to be really awesome but yeah I think I'd I'd love to become a professor one day and I, I really enjoy teaching and yeah doing research
0: I love that attitude and I feel like you and I are both the type of people who if we're like, oh, I'd love to be a science communicator someday, it's like we just try to do it now,
1: you know what I mean? Like
0: (laughs) make our opportunities to do it even if it's not to, you know, a huge audience. But yeah, I'm kind of the same where it's like anything where I'd be doing writing and also I think helping people. When I take aptitude tests, a lot of times I get something like recreational therapy like not in terms of any sorts of like sports because I am terrible at them but in terms of like <laughs> some kind of sort of more like writing therapy or something like that or yeah I just I really want to be hands-on helping people like I'd love to be a creative writing professor a podcasting professor or I don't know like an editor maybe working in publishing or even in like film and tv writing or I feel like things are super wide open. I would also be so interested to do more science communication projects and if things kind of took off that way or yeah, sometimes I feel kind of like I'm jealous of people who have a dream job that's like, oh, I want to be a vet or a doctor or something where it's very clear how you get there.
1: Mm-hmm. A very like a attain- like a very like specific goal.
0: Yeah, and you kind of follow the steps, but I'm kind of at a phase where I just do whatever sounds interesting to me at the time and hope that it's all working towards something, which I, I hope it is. So yeah, I guess for me, the MFA in creative writing is is exciting because I get to try out a lot of different types of writing. That's one cool thing about that program. So I get to do like fiction, poetry, creative nonfiction, but they also have podcasting and writing for film and TV and children's literature and all those kinds of things so I can really try out a lot and see what I like and like I actually just recently wrote a play that is being developed now which is cool and that's something I'd always been scared to try but I actually really liked it and having fun with it so
1: yeah yeah it's crazy I didn't even realize you'd written a play and I saw that on Instagram and I was like
0: what <laughs> it's only a 20 I mean, minute a play. <laughs> it's only like a one-act play so um yeah, but it's for a friend's project. We're taking chronicles from the 12th century that are they center around women, but they like the women don't really have a voice in it at all, and we have rewritten them. So I wrote like a contemporary play and it's <laughs> it's basically just about terrible men and and kind of contemporary relationships and yeah, it's fun. I've really been trying to challenge myself creatively, so yeah. So maybe there's no dream job, but there are lots of dream jobs, which is exciting.
1: Yeah, that's true. I I feel like I'm one of the few like I don't have like a dream study organism. Like I, I think there's so many things that could be really cool, but
0: yeah. that's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Another question we had is from at Strange Magic Shop on Instagram, who is the amazing paleontologist Adele Pentland, who you will be hearing from soon. And she asked, what's the most magical animal experience you've ever had? Or what's the most terrifying animal experience you've had?
1: Yeah, for like magical animal experiences, I feel like at the zoo, I had a lot of very like wonderful face-to-face instances with different creatures. But I feel like last summer, I, I was in sort of a weird position at the zoo. because my, Technically, my job was like as an interpreter. But when COVID hit, we had to sort of like take some interpreters and like train them as zookeepers in the like case where luckily it didn't happen where like if a bunch of zookeepers got COVID or you know had to go in isolation there were like backup people and so I was like doing a bunch of really random jobs around uh that were like not to do with interpretation like maintenance and like kind of helping with zookeeping where we could and one of those jobs was like we were introducing the black and white lemurs to the ring-tailed lemurs, which is when we were getting them like used to each other and being in the same enclosure. And you have to supervise the animals when you're doing this, just make sure everything's going well and they're not fighting or like attacking each other. So you have to like sort of like do supervised intervals until they're really used to each other. And then you can sort of just like let them intermingle without supervision. But as part of this job, we would just like sit in the lemur enclosure for like two hours, (laughs) And just like watch them and make sure like they're behaving. Wow. And as part of like, and it was just like, I guess it was such a stressful time at the start of COVID where like you didn't know what was going on. And like, especially at the zoo, like it was just kind of weird because a lot of our coworkers had been like temporarily laid off. And like, but it was just a really also nice time because you had no guests there. It was just you and the animals and like your little pod of coworkers. And I just remember. The black and white lemurs, I used to always be kind of scared of because they were one really, really loud. Like they like scream. (laughs) If you've ever heard a black and white lemur, they're like incredibly loud. And they also like can be kind of like scary sometimes in the sense that like if you come in with food, they can be like a little pushy to try and get it. Anyway, I'd never had any like bad experiences with them. But anyway, you're you're just supposed to be a little bit more careful with them because they are pretty big primates. And I just remember being in there and like, one of them came up and like he like wanted pets. And so it got to the point where like their names were Max and Igor and like mm. Max would come up and he'd like reach his arm out so that I could scratch his armpit. <laughs> <laughs> he like oh my really liked armpit scratches and he would just like lie there with his like his little hand on my arm so that he could like prop himself up so I could scratch his armpit. And like <laughs> he was so cute. And then it got to the point where they would like lay on my lap.
0: Oh my um, gosh. like
1: one would come up and lay on my lap and just like wanted pets and it was just and he would just like lay there really chill for like 15 minutes and it was just like so lovely and especially at a like very stressful time it was just like a really nice experience to have <laughs> it was just like calming and like wow just so special I don't know I have like a really cute picture of like Igor doing that behavior with his arm like stretched out I mean scratching it and But uh, yeah, it was just, it was one of those times where I just love the lemurs so much. Like when I first started at the zoo, I remember one time they let me uh, feed the lemurs and it was like my first time feeding them. And we were outside and I remember just sitting down with the ringtails and they were like all around me and I just like felt like I was having a picnic with them. (laughs) It was just a, a really... I don't know it's just kind of what you dream that's what I mean like when I say I feel like I already had a dream job yeah and like hope to continue to have those kinds of really wonderful jobs of course I like don't condone having lemurs as pets they shouldn't be pets like at all times like I never tried to approach them and pet them like you I let them sort of come to me as they wanted and when they left they left and I didn't try and approach them yeah, I just want to put, put that asterisk there. Like, yeah, this wasn't a
0: situation where like you paid someone ten dollars so you could like take a picture. Yeah, a lemur like <laughs> petting it.
1: Yeah, we're definitely like we're not gonna push them away or anything if they want attention and they want enrichment. Like we'll give it to them, but please don't, <laughs> please don't buy lemurs as pets. I know they're really cute, but don't do it.
0: Yeah. Oh wow, that is definitely very magical. I know it's kind of hard for me to decide too. I've not had any like really up close face-to-face animal experiences that I can think of I mean of course like I have to talk about experiences I've had on Saturna I think there are two that really stand out one once was the summer after my first year of university I worked on Saturna out in this like national park working at the museum there and it's called East Point and it's like this rocky point and there's there used to be a lighthouse there I mean there still is but there was an old lighthouse and Fog alarm building and stuff, and a big pod of southern resident killer whales came by, and my coworker and I ran down to the shore, and we like we could have reached out and touched them, but we didn't obviously. But we were that we were that close because they, the water like it's a really steep drop off there on the rocks like like this rocky kind of cliff. So you're standing like right right parallel to the water, like right beside the water, but it's really deep there so the killer whales like to come like in right close and rub themselves against the rocks so it was like oh. we were literally right beside them you could
1: have given them a little scratch yeah like I
0: could Put have them touched out. them I could have like <laughs> I don't know like tried to get on one or something I didn't obviously. Oh my God. but you could have and they were like coming so close and then we and that rocky shoreline goes like really far out like all the way to my dad's place and we just ran alongside them for I don't know how long, like 10 minutes or something. And they were all like breaching and we were right beside them. It was amazing. So that was like such a magical experience. And also similarly at my dad's house, watching from the deck and it was last summer, I wrote an article about it. Actually, there's there's this one humpback whale named Heather and she had a new calf who they named Neowise after the comet that was around a lot last summer. So... Heather and her calf, Neowise, they would come by my dad's house, like, almost every day in the summer, sometimes multiple times a day, and the calf, he, he was so, like, rambunctious and full of energy, and I remember one time, it it was special every time they came by, and so they came by one time, and he was just jumping and jumping, like, breaching over and over and over again, and it was, like, 50, like, I counted, like, 50 times, and then I stopped counting, and then I just like went back inside because it had been like an hour and I was like, okay. <laughs> which sounds bad, but I was legitimately like, "Like this cap is never going to stop jumping, which is just, <laughs> what a privileged position to be in. I don't know. It was amazing. Yeah. There's, I mean, probably quite a few people listening have gone whale watching on a boat because that is quite a popular activity. But one, I would encourage land-based whale watching because it's so much less disruptive to the to the animals. You know, humpback whales, they don't see very well and they, they don't really like use sound a lot. And they're not used to so many boats being around them and like they're very unpredictable because they can go down for a long period of time. So having so many boats around them is it can be a real problem. And then with killer whales it's it's even worse because they rely on sound to communicate with each other they're like bats in that they echolocate so it's actually created quite an issue that there's like a, a wall of sound around them when when there's lots of whale watching boats around that can really prevent them from feeding and there's lots of studies being done now on like what their behavior is like when there are a lot of boats around and especially for southern resident killer whales who are basically starving to death them being able to find their food is really important. So I know a lot of people do go whale watching on boats. And I've talked to a lot of naturalists that work on whale watching boats. And I've been whale watching in Alaska. But if you ever have the chance to do land-based whale watching, I would really recommend it because it's really magical and you know that you're not impacting them at all. So Mm -hmm. that's my little soapbox about whale watching.
1: (laughs) No, I think that's good. I mean, we don't have usually an opportunity to talk about, yeah, whales. Yeah. So it's, I think it's good to talk about it. And yeah, Yeah. always, always let people know.
0: So don't, don't buy lemurs as pets and. Don't buy (laughs) lemurs as pets and
1: don't, or avoid boat whale watching. Yeah. Wherever possible. Yeah. Most terrifying animal experience you've ever had. I've had some like sketchy zoo stories that I'm not going to (laughs) share. um just for legal reasons but uh everything was fine um but uh I think the like kind of a funny scary animal moment I don't know I thought it was kind of entertaining funny but kind of spooky was uh there's this uh national park next to Edmonton called Elk Island and Elk Island contrary to the name is known for its bison uh and so it's got sort of one of the I guess I would call it like a feeder population for places that are trying to reintroduce bison to places. So they've got a lot of bison. And one time my dad and I were going kayaking. So we have our like big van with two kayaks on the top. And we like, we're driving in, we saw the herd of bison kind of around the road. And so we were like, Oh, let's go on this random road that has all the bison. And you know, we can just slowly drive through and have like a little bison safari. So we're like driving down this like road um, with bison on either side and i don't know they were like decently far from the road like they're all just grazing and so we we're just slowly going through and they're pretty used to cars and like we get to like this point in the road and like this massive massive male like walks into the middle of the road and so we stop the car <laughs> and this bison turns and starts showing like basically every sign of bison aggression so he's making all these crazy like bison gurgling growling sounds his tail is flicking his head is kind of low down he's looking like up up at us like shaking his head it was like a every single like check mark of like <laughs> aggression <laughs> and we're like huh so we just had to like wait in our car for like 20 minutes while this bison because the other thing I mentioned or I forgot to mention was um other bison across behind us so at this point we were like boxed in (laughs) we were like uh (laughs) so yeah we just had to wait there and I was like oh my god if he like goes after our car like we'll probably be fine but it'll like definitely do damage to the car because I don't know if you've ever seen a bison in real life but they are massive they are just like, I don't know how to describe how big they are, but they are just a huge animal. And so they're like the largest, I think, land mammal in North America. Wow. If I'm not mistaken. Larger than moose? I think heavier than moose. Let me let me Google it. Largest land mammal in North America. Yeah, it's the bison. Oh my gosh, because moose um, are terrifying. Moose are huge. <laughs> moose are really tall and like... Those Their antlers, antlers make them look really yeah. big. Yeah. <laughs> also moose. Yeah, I've had encounters with moose that have been sketchy. But yeah, that that was it. And then it like was with a female, I think, and the female got kind of annoyed and like left. <laughs> she was like, oh, "Can you just like lay off? Let's go." Mood. And so she kind of left, and then he followed her, and then we got out. But it was just like a a weird like. Uh... <laughs> so this is why, like, if you're observing wildlife, like, you do not get out of the car. Like, if we had been out of the car and that had happened, this, that story would not have been funny. That would have been, like, a very scary yeah, story. Yeah, it doesn't matter, like, if it's a deer, if it's, like, elk, bighorn sheep, mountain goats. Don't get out of your car. This is, this is turning into an episode of things you shouldn't do around wildlife. I know. <laughs> we're getting a little bit. <laughs> like, if you're preachy. in a park, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's because we're just, like, Canadians who enjoy wildlife, yeah. I feel like you talk to any of us we're gonna be preachy about parks it's true Um,
0: it's funny because like (laughs) I I don't know I think I've not really had any terrifying bear experiences but like we've got a lot of bears around where I live and also coyotes and cougars and stuff and like I remember when I was a kid there was a mama bear and a cub or maybe it was two cubs that were living like in our yard like because we have kind of a big yard yeah yeah Oh, whoa. And then I ha- we had to, like, you know, like, leave the house to go to school and work and stuff. And we were always a little bit, like, freaked out. But we could see them from the windows and stuff. And they were, like, yeah, camped out in our yard. And and I've also just seen them, like, the- when How I walked down my there? laneway and stuff. I can't remember. I was quite little. I should ask my mom about it. But I remember people, like, coming over to our house to, like, come look at them and stuff
1: and take pictures. Oh, wow. Of, like, my grandpa
0: and everything.
1: Yeah, it's... Because your house is, like, not it's not like rural. It's, it's in a neighborhood yeah. like it's, <laughs> it's not in the middle of the forest. that's the crazy thing about vancouver is like vancouver is like a city city but then you'll just like there's just bears yeah <laughs> like you're in the middle of like a suburb and then there's like a bear totally <laughs> so and it's like cougars, it's a crazy like,
0: place cougars kill like dogs and stuff around here like i wouldn't keep an outdoor cat anymore because or like indoor outdoor you know because i think it's just kind of cruel obviously to the birds but also like to the cats, because my whole neighborhood is full of, like, missing cat signs, and yeah, there's a lot of coyotes around, and... But yeah, I've, I've been lucky to not have a lot of terrifying animal experiences.
1: I had another one recently. This is, like, a bug-related one, where I, like... Last summer, I was working as a naturalist at, like, this little lake. Well, actually, it was called Big Lake, technically, <laughs> uh, so... Um, but they had, like, this little, like, nature interpretation cabin, and no one was using it because it was COVID so like I'd only been in it like a few like a handful of times throughout the summer to pick up supplies and I like distinctly remember walking in it's like this little historical cabin in our town and I like am shuffling through stuff and you know collecting my supplies and then all of a sudden I hear like buzzing and I like turn around and like dozens of wasps have just like emerged out of nowhere and I don't know if you've ever like disrupted a wasp's nest but like you don't know where they're coming from half the time so suddenly there's like wasps descending from somewhere in the ceiling and I was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and like they were between me and the door and like they're all mad because I've like opened the door and done something I I didn't know what I was like they're crawling on the door they're crawling on the doorknob and I was like And the other like annoying thing about this cabin was it was so hard to unopen the lock and lock it again. So I was going to have to figure out a way to get out, lock the door, which usually took me like a solid minute um, without getting stuck. So I just remember like literally just like kneeling down so that my head was like, so make myself small. And I just like, (laughs) I was like there for probably like five minutes contemplating my choices. (laughs) I was like, Oh my God. I could just wait here until they calm down or like, I just didn't know what to do so eventually I just sort of like walked out and closed the door as like smoothly as I could and I didn't get stung but there were so many around me. Wow. So I, I was very proud of that moment and that was just like a, a totally bizarre like tiny little cabin surrounded by wasps.
0: That reminds me of actually a terrifying wasp story that I have where my dad and I in the summer he used to have a sailboat and we would sail around the Gulf Islands and we were at this one island which was like my favorite and you know my dad would always bring like a, a trash bag and we would we would collect any like garbage that we found around on the islands you know like from campers and stuff and so this one place we found it was like a you know the remains of a campfire and a bunch of bottles plastic water bottles and we were like okay and so we just we just took them back with us and so we're sitting in the dinghy and my dad's like rowing us back to the boat and then i look more closely at the plastic water bottles and i realize that they're all full of wasps because people they'd made like those <gasps> oh. traps you know like you can make traps yeah. in water bottles and so and the wasps were starting to come out of the bottles <laughs> and like our dinghy was just like slowly like leaking wasps and we were just like trapped on the dinghy and we also didn't get stung but I remember that really well because I hadn't realized like I had been holding them in my hand and I hadn't realized that they had wasps oh that's such a
1: freaky moment when that happens yeah
0: my life flashed before my eyes but yeah it was it was fine I've actually never (laughs) been stung so
1: really wow. yeah knock on wood I've been stung a few times but Usually just like dumb things where one's landed on my hand and I happen to close my hand and then I get stung and I'm like, oh, why? (laughs) Uh, Okay, next question. So, well, this will be our last question for today. But um, at Alec Dragon on Instagram asked, what animal would you like to see added to Animal Crossing New Horizons?
0: This is a good question because like I feel like if we've learned anything from our time doing Beyond Blathers, there are tons of animals there's so many. But they're like mostly beetles and butterflies. <laughs> and there's a ton of fish. There's actually like not as many dinosaurs and fossils as you would think. I don't know. It's it's quite an interesting mix of stuff they've got. I, I, I'm i so sorry to continue to be like the whale person here. I think it would be cool <laughs> if you could catch a whale. But I'm also like I feel very morally conflicted about how I feel about them catching mammals but like you can catch a whale shark so if you can catch a whale shark why should you not be able to catch like a I don't know I think it would just be so funny if they put blue whale in like just like YOLO blue whale you just (laughs) caught a blue whale and it's only like two times as big as
1: you for some reason no it should like take up the entire screen yeah like it's just like it's just like you can all you can see is like an eye and everything else is like blue yeah and it'll be like I caught a blue <laughs> whale, and then you put it in your pocket. Yes, yeah, so you put it in your so pocket. Like, first one goes to Blathers. <laughs> Hop on over to the museum. Oh, my
0: God. I just think it would, like, just they should just lead into it and go for it with the blue whale.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, I agree. I think it needs more bugs. I was going to say the Parasaurolophus dinosaurs should be put in, but I just realized they have a Parasaurolophus. Oh,
0: well, we've got to do that sometime.
1: Yeah, I was like, wait, hold on. Anyway, uh, in terms of bugs... We realized that they don't have a millipede. Yeah. They have a centipede, but not a millipede. And so I was like, I think they need a millipede or some like, some like non, I think they need a greater diversity of spiders because they have tarantula and spider. And that's it. (laughs)
0: Like,
1: there is a vast diversity of spiders and arachnids out there. So I think they need a jumping spider. That's like a super cute one to do. Like, a little peacock spider. I don't know if you know this, but there's like a peacock spider. It's got like, like these big eyes, and then it's got like a little butt that looks kind of flat, like a peacock Aww. tail, and it's got all these pretty colors on it, and it'll like flap it around It's like a, I think it's a either mating or defense, I actually am not sure, but they'll just like flap it around, and it's super cute and super little. Anyway, so that's what I want to see.
0: Yeah, I totally agree about the spiders, and also we've been, it's not animal, but we've been talking about how there's just very little in terms of paleobotany representation in the game. So it'd be cool to maybe have like fossil cycads or something like Emily Grassley talked about, or
1: yeah, just some
0: more sort of or ginkgos. Yeah, and I I also would love to see because you know how like there's occasionally there's like the snowy owls hanging out on the bulletin board or the yellow birds that I assume are like I don't know something yellow Chickadees, <laughs> <or> ambiguous <something? laughs> yellow
1: warbler yeah
0: some sort of yellow yeah. bird. I think it'd be cool if they added in more like birds that obviously you can't catch them, but just be like hanging around, like maybe a woodpecker or something. Yeah, I think there's room for there's room for more. Um, I agree. Cool. Well, that was our last question, but we also had AC ask our thoughts on the common blue bottle but we decided we will do an episode on the the blue bottle soon instead so thanks for the question ac and keep your eyes peeled for that episode
1: mm-hmm. awesome well i think i think we better wrap it up we've shared a lot of uh a lot of content today if you've listened to all of this i'm i'm mighty impressed yeah if you got to the uh, <laughs> end thank you for being amazing I, i'm glad our stories were interesting enough to keep you around yeah
0: <laughs> Of course, as always, please leave us a rating and review if you have a second. We'd really, really appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe. And also maybe tell like two people that you know that you think might like the show, that they might like the show and to check it out. We would love that.
1: And if you have any other questions and suggestions for us, please don't hesitate to reach out to at Beyond Blathers on Instagram and Twitter. We always love hearing from you. Tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can
0: find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye! Bye!